0: everybody welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com I am Mike Spofford sitting alongside Wes Hodkiewicz we're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field and Wes I want to start off this new show by taking care of a little bit of old business you might say and what I'm referring to is wrapping up our peak performances segment because uh, this past week on Packers.com we posted the collection, essentially, if, if you've been following uh, the series, either uh, here on Packers Unscripted or on Packers.com, we had peak performances by individual players selected from the different quarters of the season, games 1 through 4, 5 through 8, etc. Fans could then vote for their favorite from each of those segments of the season. So now what we have on the website is an opportunity for fans to log on and vote for their peak performance of the year, which is the top vote-getter from each of those four quarters of the season and the way it came out, not a whole lot of surprises. I think all of these were ones that you and I had voted for when we talked about them initially, but quarter number one, Mike Daniels versus Seattle quarter number two, Aaron Rodgers at Dallas quarter number three, Dean Lowry at home against Tampa Bay. And then quarter number four, Devontae Adams in that performance at Cleveland. Um, all of those obviously stand out performances. Is there one that you would pick as the performance of the year for 2017 for the Green
1: Bay Packers? I'm, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers against Dallas. And as you wrote in the this, the brief write up that goes along with it, um, this was kind of the the last the last showing for him uh, this year. And obviously he did come back against Carolina, but right. this was the game I thought when you look back at 2017 and maybe the missed opportunity that was there. Um, this was one of those games that really embodied uh, what this offense could be when Aaron Rodgers was at the steering wheel. Uh, they had to overcome some adversity uh, in Cowboys Stadium. It, it certainly wasn't a gimme type game, but the way Rodgers played um, and, and how he how clutch he was down the stretch had a big uh, reason why the Packers were able to pr- uh, improve to four and one, I believe, at the time, and, and also uh, come up with that victory late.
0: Yeah. yeah, I definitely liked that choice as well, Aaron Rodgers. I thought you know it was a a coup de gras type of performance great, by yes, by Rogers in Dallas with, uh you know, very much the opposite of the playoff game from the year before in that the Packers were way ahead. Then, you know, sort of hanging on for dear life, the Cowboys tie it up and then the Packers win it at the end. This one Packers were down, I believe it was 21 to six at yeah. one point, the Packers are the team that needs to rally. And then Rogers gets the ball last and orchestrates the, uh, the final scoring drive for the victory just to cast a vote for another one, I'll vote for Mike Daniels against Seattle. And the reason I say that, not only because it was a performance that, although Daniels did get hurt the next week and the early part of his season, you know, didn't necessarily live up to what he did against Seattle, it did set the stage for him to be a first alternate for the Pro Bowl yes. and then ultimately get into the Pro Bowl um, as a first alternate, as a, as an injury replacement there. So um, there's that, and also because those types of dominant defensive performances i think those are the those are the types of outings that go such a long way for a team in terms of you know establishing leadership with a certain guy that everybody looks to a guy that a guy that you count on those types of performances especially on the defensive side to me they they can rub off on other players yeah. and i know injuries and everything took their toll on the packers defense in 2017 But if Mike Daniels or if it's Kenny Clark or if it's Kevin King next season – has one of those early season-dominant defensive performances, I see that as something that maybe starts to become contagious and can set the stage for even more in 2018.
1: Well, and I look at this as the same situation when you look at the offense with Rodgers in that game against Dallas. You talk to any of those defenders, those starting defenders in the Packers this past season, they felt like that Seattle game was the embodiment of what they could have been uh, when everybody was healthy and things were clicking. They held Seattle to nine points, I mean, we talked so much about Fail Mary in 2012 and obviously the NFC Championship game in 2014. Russell Wilson, other than that, hasn't had a lot of success against the Green Bay Packers, and a lot of it in a lot of different ways, has been because of interior pressure on the Packers' defensive line. B.J. Raji wreaked havoc against them. I believe that was the beginning of 2015. And then now this year, Mike Daniels having the success that he did. One of the popular questions I know I've seen in Insider Inbox since Mike Pettin was installed as the new defensive coordinator has been what do you expect with this defense? What are the the sub-packages, the the pass-rush packages, what are they going to look like? And the point I've tried to make is, you know, you've had a lot of hybrid schemes. You've had a lot of, you know, you look at the NASCAR package and using strictly outside linebackers and elephants. When I'm Mike Pettin, if I step back and I look at where the Packers are at now defensively, I look at Mike Daniels, I look at Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, that defensive line as a real big strength of this defense right now. I agree. And I think whether it is third downs, whether it's first downs – I think that is a building block for them going forward. That's some place where they need to really, uh, you know, they have the tools there. That's a position they don't need a whole lot of work with this offseason, and I think that can be a big strength for them. This performance by Mike Daniels against the Seahawks, one-and-a-half sacks, seven tackles, all the plays that he made in that game, I think really set him up and set that defense up for what was actually a pretty strong first month of the season. People forget they were a top-ten defense through the first four games, unfortunately through attrition. They just really were never able to get back to that level.
0: Yeah, I think you're right though, in that that defensive line, a specific position group, that really can be the foundation for whatever the new defense that Mike Pettine is going to put together with these Packers will definitely be watching that closely in 2018. They're
1: young and they don't have questions, and basically everybody outside of Quinton Dial signed through next season. So I think that shows you exactly what you have there and what you when you're figuring out a game plan right from day one today you know what you're dealing with.
0: Yeah, no question about it. With that, we'll go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. And Wes, we bring up our insider inbox column, daily column on Packers.com. We talk about it on the show here all
1: the time. Because it dominates our life.
0: Yeah. But in the <laughs> la- over the last few days, you have engaged in uh, some interesting discussion, lively debate, I guess we would call it, with uh, with many of our Packers.com readers with regards to a, a, a topic revolving around free agency and that being what does re-signing your own free agents mean? And I've seen what you've written. You contend very much that, you know, people forget to include re-signing your own free agents in the calculation of what a team does in free agency. There are others who say re-signing your own free agents is just the status quo. You're not, you're not making the team better by just hanging on to the guys that you always had I think it's a I think it's an interesting debate it certainly has gotten rather lively on our website and I know it's something that uh, that you feel pretty strongly about in terms of your opinion
1: yeah and here's the thing uh, I, I love debate I'm always one for debate I can do it <laughs> uh, it's been a real big topic because people talk about the term status quo and I, I think there's been this um, merger if you will that where they they they're trying to find the dots, connect the lines between draft and development, re-signing your own players, and remaining status quo. And my main argument against this has been, especially when you're in a draft and development organization, when you routinely re-sign your own guys to second contracts, Yeah, I maintain that's not staying status quo because one guy isn't the same player one year to the next. Yeah, The Packers re-signed Jordy Nelson in 2011, right? Midway through 2011? Right, right. He ends up having a monster year and has improved over then. Got a third contract with the Packers and has over-exceeded that as well over his time. Devontae Adams, and the point I made an in inbox uh, on Wednesday was that there was a lot of fans. I wasn't here yet. I was still at the Green Bay Press Gazette, but there were so many fans that would pop into our chats, our emails about you got to cut this guy. He's not he's not good enough.
0: Yeah, he had he had a rough second season with the injuries and everything. Played else. on
1: a sprained ankle the entire year and if you watch him the past 2 years, how much of that in terms of his mobility, right. how much of that plays into who Devontae Adams is as a player? He ends up having a phenomenal breakthrough season in 2016. In 2017, becomes a Pro Bowler. The Packers re-signed him. If they don't re-sign Devontae Adams, he's one of, if not the biggest receiver on the market. Definitely a top five, top ten overall free agent. Yeah. If the Packers don't bring him back, it's making another team a lot better. And, and Eric from Oshkosh was the one I that I was talking about this with on on Wednesday. I wasn't able to post his entire comment because we're trying to be somewhat, you know, there's, there's some value of brevity in this thing. Yeah. But he also mentioned, you know, re-signing your own and then adding another player as well. Well, you really want to break it down, Mike. The Packers would have been better if they would have re-signed Jared Cook instead of signing Martellus Bennett. Right. But at the time, Martellus Bennett, that's a big, attractive signing. So I think there is ways to get better re-signing your own players in this argument of, well, you just got to constantly bring in new guys in order to not be status quo. I I just think it's, it's irrelevant in my estimation.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree with your take on it in that. And and I think I'm going to say something very much along the lines of what you're saying is that when you're a draft and develop organization and those second contracts come up, when you're making the decision to re-sign one of your own and, you know, provide that big payday and, and everything else that goes along with it, you're si- You're you're making that decision and setting up that signing because you're expecting that player to continue to exactly. improve. His arrow is is pointing These up. These aren't you're not, forty year
1: old people we're talking
0: about. Yeah, you're you're not you're not re-signing a twenty four year old guy who's three to four years out of college yeah. and saying, well, he's hit his peak and we just expect that the rest of the way. No, you're making that investment. Because you're expecting that player to continue to improve. The Packers have re-signed Corey Lindsley, Devontae Adams, this past uh, this past December as the regular season wrapped up because they don't think those guys have hit their peak yet. No. They think there is more to come, which which is the argument against just staying the status quo. Now, I understand it from the, sta- the the argument on the other side. I understand where it comes from. I don't agree with it. I understand where it comes from, say, for example, with a player like Nick Perry because the Packers signed Nick Perry coming off of the 11-sack season because they were expecting his arrow to continue to point up as well. Unfortunately, he had another round of injuries, which has been the problem throughout a, a good portion of Perry's career. So you didn't get the arrow continuing to point up, at least statistically, Perry missed more games than anybody would have wanted. The sack numbers weren't there. Now, that being said, that's just the first year of this multi-year deal with Nick Perry. So we still have to see how it plays out. But I think it's situations like that that lead to those who look at sometimes re-signing your own is just staying status quo, because in the case of Nick Perry, and I don't mean to pick on Nick, I know the injuries have, have been a problem, and it's been unfortunate, and he's worked through it, you know, um, yeah, and, and is trying to... Yeah, his toughness can't is, be questioned. Yeah, his, yeah durability. His, his, uh, his, you know, push to get through those things is, is as tough as anybody, but I think that's where it comes from in a sense that when you re-sign a guy and then he doesn't have this big monster year later on coming yeah. off of the new contract everybody thinks like oh well that was just that that was just a status quo signing
1: but that's the risk every team in the NFL is taking exactly. because we're not talking about taking production from one year and just guaranteeing that it's going to happen again right and, and that's that isn't just the NFL that's major league baseball yeah. that's that's every sport it's all a crystal ball predict. business in a yes. sense yeah so and, and the other thing and I don't know if I'm. I'm going to be able to get into all this before we got to go to the next break. But here's the other thing to consider, too, when, when you're trying to map out signings and projections and all that fun business. If you are a draft and development team and you're investing in your own guys, that's years of experience, years of background, years of history, offense, defense in your system. In this environment now, in the CBA, the new CBA, we've seen how difficult it is, even for going back to Jared Cook. Jared Cook coming into the Packers offense, getting hurt during the offseason program really being quiet throughout those first couple months of the regular season, then hurting, getting hurt again. I believe that was the foot. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Um, and then he comes back, and he, he catches fire late in the season. Jared Cook only had like 300 receiving yards during the year. Yeah. It's not easy to sign a new guy or bring in a new free agent or bring in a draft pick and just have them make a day-one contribution. So when you have Devontae Adams with four years in the system, with those projections, you're also factoring in that experience as yeah.
0: well. Yeah, no question about it. But we do have to get to a break. So back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. back to Packers Unscripted, Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one and Wes continuing our discussion here of free agency as it relates to the current Packers. We talked about as the regular season wrapped up the Packers re-signed center Corey Lindsley and wide receiver Devontae Adams who far and away were the, the two biggest names at the top of the expiring contract yeah. list uh, that the Packers were dealing with. So where do things stand right now? I think the name that most fans are asking about more than any other is veteran safety Morgan Burnett, yes. who is in a little bit different situation because this would be a third contract with the Packers. He are he was a 2010 draft pick. He has now played out his second contract, and I know we don't know how these things are going to go. We certainly don't want to put words in anybody's mouth as far as this goes, but uh, but where do you see uh, this Packers free agent situation sitting right now?
1: Well, first off, if you look up you know accountability in a dictionary, Morgan Burnett's going to be right <laughs> next to it. I mean, he's He's been, I think, not only one of the most accountable players on this team, but I think you can make an argument for the entire NFL with the way he approaches his job on a day-to-day basis in what he's asked to do. And versatility might
0: be the other word that goes along with it. It's a double, so yeah.
1: Uh, But but here's the thing for the Packers. You know, you talked to Aaron Rodgers at the uh, NFL honors on the red carpet, and he mentioned you guys talked about the 2013 season going into 2014, right? And how he feels coming off this collarbone injury, much like the last time, his eyes are on on an MVP. Award. I take that even one step further. I lo- I do look at the Packers' current situation a lot like 2013 going into 14, and that obviously was the year the Packers got on one of their best runs under Mike McCarthy. Because really, there are obvious areas where the Packers need to improve. I'm not debating that. But because they re signed Devontae Adams and because they re signed Corey Lindsley, it's pretty clear cut what the Packers are looking at in terms of the structure of their roster, the, the major guys to re sign, which I think, you know, Burnett is the top of that list and then how they want to proceed with free agency going forward. So they have a decision there to make with Burnett, but outside of that, it's really just figuring out a little bit of not to diminish any of these other guys that are coming up for contracts, but there are no other guys that I think are, are rising to the level of, you know, a top 50 top 40 type guy. So, uh, I think for, for Brian Gutekunst, this is an opportunity to to really look at where you're at. Obviously, get your input from Mike Petton and, and where he looks for this defense to go. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I I think this is a good time to be stepping in because the Packers do have a lot of guys returning. They did exercise that option on Haha Clinton Dix. He signed up for next season. So um, trying to figure out the path forward they already have a lot of those pieces in place. It just now it comes down to zeroing in on where you need to improve. Yeah. And the
0: other factor, obviously, with regards to the salary cap and and the money and what the Packers will have to spend, we're basing things on past history. Aaron Rodgers has two years left on his current contract. When he was in this situation before, because quarterbacks are treated differently. You don't if you want your if you got your franchise right. guy, you don't let him get into the so-called lame duck year of a contract. You don't let him get too close to free agency. You take care of him with a couple of years left. So this would be the off season where Aaron Rodgers would potentially get a new deal and when it happened prior the last time it was right around the draft. Is the, right. the, the first day of the draft? It was the first day of the draft when that was uh when that was taken care of. So Depending on what the Packers' plans are, there that will also have an impact on on what you have under the cap to spend. You mentioned Morgan Burnett. You know, Richard Rodgers is another yep. another uh, free agent. You know, a 2000, uh, 2014 draft pick, pick who's class. whose rookie contract is expiring. Yeah, Jeff Janis, another one. So there are some names out there. Not saying that they are the front line guys like Corey Lindsley and Devontae Adams, which is why the yep. Packers took care of them as quickly as they did. But there are some decisions to be made here, and, uh, and we really don't know what the whole picture looks like because we're not sure what they're talking about behind closed doors with Aaron Rodgers' contract and, and who maybe they're looking at right. from other teams who may or may not become available depending on when franchise tags go out, which will be happening here within the next week or two. So there's there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle.
1: And just to quickly point this out, too, everyone's talking about the Jimmy Garoppolo money, You know what Kirk Cousins is going to make. They're going to get paid, no question. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you have two years under control here that allows you to be a little bit more flexible in how you do contracts. One thing to consider when looking at the mega numbers that those other quarterbacks. Bring.
0: Yeah. And Russ Ball always uh, is, is very it's on top of it, efficient and creative both with, yeah. uh, with how he puts that together. But before, before we go to a break West, today's a perfect day to fill up with some new Campbell's chunky max soup. Chunky max is loaded with more meat than you can handle a lot more. We're talking 40% more than a comparable chunky soup. So go on, fill up a new Campbell's chunky max soup Campbell's Chunky Soup, the official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers, back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packer's Unscripted Mike Spofford next to Wes Hodkowitz and Wes quickly before we go, we need to give a shout out here to the two thousand eighteen entry into the Packer's fan Hall of Fame, and her name is Muggs Bachhuber, and I just love the name. <laughs> I love the photos we have on the website of uh this wonderful lady. Um, you covered uh, the press conference in which uh, she was selected amongst ten highly qualified Packer fan fanatics um, for this uh, for this honor. Tell us about mugs
1: well first off, I got to give credit to uh Victoria McBride uh, from her Packers social team. She got a phenomenal photo yeah. of her with her <laughs> mouth a gap uh, agape just uh, completely surprised yeah. that she was in this to begin with uh, her daughter Jan was the one who had nominated her. Didn't tell her about it until it came in the mail that she was one of 10 finalists for it. 87 years young, a mother of eight, over span over 10 years. Uh, so as she said, wow. they, had, they when you have that many kids and that short of a time frame, you had to be very careful with when you made your summit to Lambeau Field. But every single year, they'd go for the Bishops Charity preseason game. Okay. The rest of the year, their house in May, Mayville uh, was uh, kind of the, the hub for the family to come together. Her uh, late husband, Ray, a giant Packer fan, the one that kind of rubbed off on on Muggs. And, and since his passing in 2011, she sort of carried the torch. She's at a local uh, retirement home community. As you were joking about earlier, she ran the Packers pool there. That's that's um, my
0: that's my favorite that's my favorite part of the story is she's the one running you know taking everybody's money and and like running the uh, running the little gambling pool at the uh, at the uh, uh, the senior home there. I just I I love that part of it. She says she said she did it for ten years and uh, and yeah probably needed to give it up to somebody else. Yeah. But uh, but that's that's pretty cool.
1: And she has a she created a Packers song. She's the life of the party there. Uh, you know her family her her great niece Jillian Anderson from. X-Files. Got the social media drum beat going for her as well. A really special honor for her for sure.
0: Yeah definitely. Well congratulations to her as the newest member of the Packers Fan Hall of Fame. But we've got to call that a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter he's at West Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in everybody. See you next time.